0: Good morning Wayside. Good morning. All right. Y'all are. Good morning. There you go Timon. There you go. So hey there you go John. So uh, for those of you who I haven't met yet uh, I'm Chris. I'm here. I'm one of the elders here at Wayside uh, and I'm I'm super excited to continue where Ben left off last week um, in our study of Hebrews um, uh, chapter 9. And, and so Last week, uh, for those of you who weren't here, uh, Ben covered how Jesus' sacrifice, his death, uh, was required to establish a better place and a better way for us to worship God. And uh, and so today, uh, the author continues um, his, his arguments here around why Jesus had to die. Um, and, and so today we'll cover why uh, Jesus had to die to secure our inheritance, our saving inheritance. Uh, so let me pray that God would help us reflect fully on the gravity of what we're about to talk about today and to live in light of it. Uh, Father, you are a holy God. You are set apart, everlasting, magnificent in your grace and mercy. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that, that through him we we can come together to worship you and enter your presence. We ask that you would speak to our hearts through this text, that the, the amazing width and length and height and depth of your love for us would be clear today because of it, and would we give you all the glory. Amen. Uh, okay, church, so uh, this is uh, this is actually my first time preaching in person since COVID forced us to go virtual. Uh, so I kind of want to kind of wanted to have fun with it make it a, a little bit interactive um so uh what we're going to do uh and i realize you know a lot of people are on vacation traveling uh and so but what we're going to do is we're going to we're going we're gonna to do something a little bit different here i'm going to sing the first part of a verse um or at least try to and then y'all are going to complete it and so and, and, I, and hopefully it's a song you know, otherwise this is going to go super badly. So maybe if y'all could just stand up um, for, for just one more minute. Sorry, you guys just got comfortable. Uh, and, and so we need to sing super loud so all the folks, I can, uh, can hear y'all, okay? So here goes. Y'all ready? Okay. What can wash away my sins? Praise God. It, it, yes. Good job y'all. Thank you. That was that was beautiful. Um so y'all can sit down now. Yeah, we can we can keep on doing this. So uh as an early believer, I remember tagging along uh you know with the Reichleys. to uh, it was the, it was at the Stone and hearing nothing but the blood in worship. And uh as I was singing along, you know, with with the lyrics and you know, they were sort of coming up on the screen and as I was singing oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus and uh i was like wait what are, are we are we singing about a fountain of blood washing over us uh and, and how does that make us white as snow uh, y'all that's kind of weird and and so uh you know i was looking around but everyone was like you know Pray, praise the lord and so uh you know i didn't get the context of the old sacrificial system right uh and and as an early believer i i i'll just be honest with you i didn't fully understand like why jesus had to die like why why did god's only son have to die and so just to set up our passage a bit so the jewish christian audience of 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 this letter of hebrews was was kind of struggling with the same thing um you know they, they they understood the sacrificial system. They were just sort of—they were totally down with the, you know, the sacrifice of innocent animals for their sins. It was—it was part of their culture. It was—it was just like a daily ritual for them. But to see Jesus, their, their Messiah, that they've been waiting hundreds of years for, for him to die in the same way, y'all—that made them super uncomfortable. Um, and so they—they they, they struggled. Uh, with this, and, and in fact, you know they were drifting back uh, to the old system uh, and these old rituals. So, in, in our culture today, uh, you know, I would say I speak with for all of us that we see blood sacrifices and like you know the sprinkling of blood uh, in the passage that Elias just read as as like strange and and kind of repulsive, right? Um, and unfortunately because of Jesus, that's no longer how we have to approach um, our holy God, right? So, but that means because we no longer have to see the price paid for our sins on a daily basis, the bloodshed, we can actually struggle, um, I know I do, to fully grasp the repulsiveness of our sins. And so, I wonder, you know, if, if we were required uh, to witness firsthand and to participate in this sort of daily ritual of, of shedding of blood and sacrifice for our sins, you know, would we see our sins differently? You know, would we, would we live differently? And so church, I think we often struggle. We struggle to hate sin enough you know, because we fail to consider the price paid for it enough. And so I think like the original audience of, of this, this letter, right, We we must fully understand Jesus' sacrifice and and, and what it accomplished if we're going to live for him, right? So this means embracing Jesus' sacrifice um, daily. It should be daily on inspiration for us. And uh, as you all know, uh, if we've been doing our job up here as as elders, this can only happen through God's word. So uh, let's dig in. So our, our passage today reveals both the requirement for... Um, and the results of Jesus' sacrificial death. Uh, so, first, we're gonna we're gonna look at the requirement for Jesus' death. So, let's look at Hebrews nine fifteen together. For this reason, He, Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant. So that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the violations that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. So, so for, for this reason, so the author is continuing the arguments from the first half of chapter nine, um, and then he lays out the entire point of this, uh, of, of this passage, and, and, and that is that Jesus' sacrificial death qualified him as the only meat eater, so the only bridge between us as, as sinful creatures and a holy God. And uh, as, as a lot of you will note, as Jesus says in John fourteen six, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So in the following verses, what the author is going to do, and and what we'll see is is explain why Jesus' death was required for us to receive our our saving inheritance. And he uses a couple of examples to illustrate his point. So one is an example from the court, and the other is an example from the tabernacle. Uh, And I, I know if I say court and tabernacle, you guys are like, all right, you know is it time for a bathroom break and your eyes start to glaze over but trust me this is going to be good so he starts with an example from the court so let's look at verses 16 through 17 for where there is a covenant or will there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it for, for a covenant or will is valid only when people are dead for it is never enforced while the one who made it lives so what is what does that mean Um, And so in the original Greek, I kept on saying or will, because in the original Greek, the word covenant can also mean will. And and so I think this is what the author means in this context. He's drawing an analogy between uh, a last will and testament, kind of as we think about it today. So as you think about um, a will, right, what is a will, right? It's a promise of inheritance, right, that will only come into effect uh, when the provider of it has, has died, right? And it's signed by an authorized party. So, what's the author's point here, uh, right? So, uh, this is super interesting so to so follow along with me here. God's will also required a death for his inheritance to be given. And it needed to be signed by an authorized party, right? Someone with authority to put it into effect. Um, and I, I think we all know the punchline here, right? This is Jesus, and, and that's pretty incredible to think about, that, that God would design a plan that works this way. So, y'all, y'all nod if you're with me so far. Sweet. Uh, okay, so what, what is God's written will, right? It sort of begs the question. So, in Hebrews 8, which we covered a few weeks ago, we're reminded that God gave a, uh, Israel a, a promise of inheritance, right? And he delivered it uh, as a covenant or a will through the prophet Jeremiah. So, some of you will remember from our study, in Jeremiah 31 through 34, uh, there is a promised in inheritance that God would write his law on their hearts and minds, and he would remember their sins no more so but it, but a death is required right so so how does God accomplish this so John three sixteen tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. so in other words, Jesus, fully man, fully God, was the only one qualified to make God's will effective, right, through his death so that we might receive our inheritance. So, church, you know, this is, I know for some of you, it's like, wow, this is repeat, Uh, but this is such a beautiful truth for us to fall in love with over and over again. As as Elias said, um, this is the gospel. By God's immeasurable love and grace, we're able to receive our inheritance through Jesus. Um, And so, uh, that's great, right? We, We have Jesus um, but you know, what, what about all of those old saints, you know, Mammy and Pappy? right? You can imagine the Jewish Christians wondering about the the old uh, saints of the Old Testament. you know what happens to them right uh, jesus wasn 't around uh, back then, so uh, the author addresses this so going back to verse fifteen, uh, the author says uh, that the violations uh, that were committed under the first covenant were redeemed by Jesus. Um, so so what, what does that mean? Um, so this means that for all the, the faithful saints of the Old Testament, um, for them to receive their inheritance, Jesus also had to die. Um, so they were, I think the simplest way to state this is they were saved on credit, right? They, you know, they, uh, in all of the animal sacrifices that they had performed over hundreds of years, right, all of that would have been pointless if Jesus had not come. And so uh, I think, you know, I certainly thought this. I was like, and I wonder if, you know, this is pretty heady, right? I wonder if the, the, the original audience actually got this. Um, so I think it's important to remember that the Jewish Christian audience, right, that, that, that we're talking about here, that this letter was originally written to, they live at a time where once a year, right, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice on behalf of the sins of the people, the unintentional sins of the people for the past year. So, so the author is really just building upon that, what, what is really common knowledge, um, that, uh, that in order for them to receive their inheritance, in order for these old saints to receive their inheritance, Jesus needed to buy back their sins retroactively so that they could receive their inheritance as well, and so, and and I think importantly, that system is replaced by the one it was pointing to, Jesus, right? So, church, let, let's let's pause for a moment and let those truths sink in for a moment. You know how how powerful is the sacrifice of Christ that it works both backwards and forwards in time, right? And and how how necessary is that? You know, if we consider our own sinful past, right, and in our own stories. How mind-blowing is it that God's incredible design for redemption would require his only son to die, right? So that we could, we could receive our inheritance. I, I imagine the, the original audience being pretty awestruck by this, and, and we should be too. So, so just to recap, so Jesus' death, right, it fulfills the provision of God's will, right? He died so that we could receive our inheritance, but a will is only official when it's signed, right, as we just talked about. So, so we'll learn next that the signing of God's will, um, it, it didn't require a pen. It required Jesus' own blood. Um, so let's look at this example from the tabernacle in verses 18 through 22. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats, with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you and in the same way he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship indeed under the law almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins so church I I want you all to imagine uh, all the blood here blood's everywhere right it's on the book it's on the people. It's spread across the tent. It's on the, it's, you know, it's on the worship vessels. Y'all, I, 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 you know, it, it's hard to imagine, I know. And, you know, we, we don't want to imagine it. it it's, it's ugly. It, it's, it's gross. Uh, but this is the cost of our sin. And so Moses and all the people, right, as, as sinful creatures, needed to be purified before they could approach a holy and righteous God. Um, and, and, and then the sacrificial blood, right? That was required to symbolically sign this, this old covenant into effect. So, church, none of this was arbitrary. As we think about, like, Old Testament, you're like, I'm just a New Testament Christian. Like, that doesn't make any sense. None of this was arbitrary. Everything is connected. This was all pointing to Jesus. And so Jesus shares this at the Last Supper in Matthew twenty six twenty eight. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Church, Jesus' death establishes him, establishes him right, as both the mediator and the administrator of our inheritance. Um, and so n- now that God's will is in effect, the new covenant is in effect, try- trying to find other ways of being saved is just nonsensical. And, th- and this is the author's point here. No other religions, no other you know, no works, that we can do, no birthright, can provide a way to God's saving inheritance. There is no other way but Jesus. So some of you may know this, but in Islam, uh, Jesus is exalted as a great prophet, and and so much so that this idea of of him dying on the cross is just untenable. Uh, and, and, And in fact, like most Main Street Muslims believe that someone else took Jesus' Uh, place on the cross, right? Someone else died in his place, and that uh, Jesus just was raised up to heaven, escaping death. And, and, and so, similarly, like, these, these Jewish Christians were struggling with a suffering Messiah, and, and maybe, maybe, you know, we, maybe, uh, you know, we, we've been asking this question sometimes ourselves. Maybe, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's our kiddos, maybe uh, it's a friend that's asking this question, like, why did Jesus have to die? Right and and so, as we discussed, there there is no other option, regardless of whether it offends our sensibilities or not. Uh, God, God is the author of His will, not not us. Right. God uh, always had a plan for Jesus to die, for us to receive our inheritance. And so this passage reminds us, church, that God's story of redemption is is just far more beautiful. And intricate and elaborate than than we, we could ever we could ever imagine ourselves. So, church, knowing this amazing truth, why do we? And I'm totally including myself here. Find ourselves living like Jesus hasn't already come and died for us already. You know, are are, are there places in your life uh, where you're drifting back into old rituals, like the Jewish Christians? You know, m- maybe. Uh, It's a nagging belief that you still need to earn God's favor through good works, doubting the power of Christ's work for you. Maybe it's an identity defined by what others think about you, doubting God's love for you. Maybe you find yourself consumed by finances, doubting the saving inheritance you have in Jesus. Church, the mind-blowing sacrifice of Jesus should weigh in our hearts as we consider how we live our lives. So, What I want to do, you know, just keeping this interactive, um, let's just pause for a moment of silence in prayer to reflect on the truth we just unpacked, that Jesus died for you and secured your inheritance. So whatever old rituals, whatever old sins are still part of your life, let's just take a a few seconds to confess these to God, and, and let's pray for the strength to slay these in Jesus' name. So let's do that now. Okay. So, in uh, the remaining half of our passage today, uh, you know, the author, having already made very clear arguments, right, why Jesus had to die uh, for our saving inheritance, he kind of shifts gears, and so now he now he now he now he's, uh, turns to focusing on the inheritance itself, the results of Jesus' death. So, let's look at that. So, in verses. 23 through 26, the author shares how Jesus' death dealt with sin. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So there's a, there's a lot in these verses, um, and, and the author effectively reiterates a lot of what he covered in verses 1 through 14. And, and so you know we, we know in scripture that you know, this is a spirit-inspired author, and so if he, if he thought it bore repeating, then why? Um, and so context matters here, and so I, I think that the, the author's point here is that Jesus didn't just deal with sin, right? Jesus entered into heaven itself, and, and, and he entered into heaven itself as our high priest to put away sin by a sacrifice of himself. So, so I think the author is really just, you know, he's he's like doubling down on underscoring the ludicrousness of this audience going back to the old rituals of daily and yearly sacrifice for sin when Jesus had already died for those sins. And so, y'all, I, I, I can imagine, you know, the author of Hebrews kind of, you know, calling out folks, um, you know, assuming he was reading it to them. I don't know, this is what I imagine. And so he's like, you know, hey. You know you you over there I, I I see you you know sneaking that that lamb over into the temple to be sacrificed, you know why, why, brother, why, sister, you know for the love of God, stop it, stop doubting the efficacy of christ's sacrifice um, and, and so the the author really drives us home, so if we, we actually go back to verse fourteen, we see the author really driving this home as a rhetorical question. How much more will the blood of Christ, uh, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So because of Jesus' death, we can lay down any guilt or burdens that we can't be good enough for God. Those are dead works, as the author points out. Right? There's nothing that we can do to earn his favor. Jesus' death Satisfied, a just God completely, and once and for all. And so in our final verses, the author concludes with how Jesus' death will deliver our salvation. So let's walk through the final verses, 27 and 28 together. And just as it had been appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So because of Jesus' death, our inheritance allows us to forgo God's righteous judgment and instead to be presented to our heavenly father, purified and as white as snow. And so the song goes, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice paid the debt for all our sins once and for all. So uh, speaking of debt, how many of you, by show of hands, have ever paid off a car loan? Sweet. Uh, yeah, so I, I, uh, I remember when I finally paid off my, my car loan. This is before I, I was a believer, so I'll, I'll preface that. But And when I paid off my, my car loan, I think it was like five years after I graduated college. Y'all, I, I was like a new man, you know. Uh, I finally owned my car outright. Uh, and, you know, I was paying rent, whatever, but, man, I was mostly debt-free. So what was my response to that? So as some of you all might say, and I'm probably dating myself by trying to be cool here, but I began living my best life. You know, I I changed my insurance policy from, you know, full coverage to liability only. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. And uh, I I started, like, buying my friends rounds of drinks. I was going out to eat more often. You know, so, again, like, I wasn't a believer at the time, but I was mostly debt-free. So, you know, you know, I had that going for me. (laughs) Church, Jesus paid our debts of sin once and for all. He secured our eternal inheritance. So what should be our response to that? Like the Jewish Christian audience of this letter we should feel free to lay down any thoughts that we need to earn our way into heaven, or that we need to pay for our sins ourselves. It's already been paid for with Jesus' life. Our inheritance is secure. So we we can we can boldly live a sacrificial life. We can persevere even in the midst even in the midst of like all of this cultural pressure to conform. You know, whether it be like cancel culture or whatever it is, right? And, and so maybe maybe for you it, it it's like you're uh, struggling with drifting back to cultural norms and away from Christ, like the Jewish Christians, or, or maybe for you, uh, it's 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 appalling. It's frustrating. It makes you angry at what the new cultural norm is, and so you're struggling to be hopeful in Christ. So thankfully, Paul, you know he he knows he knows uh, as as our great apostle uh, encourages in, in Romans 8, Roman, Romans eight thirty-five through 38. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing would be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So church, uh, let's remember uh, that, that our sins separated us from God, but His Mercy is more. In his infinite kindness, God gave his only son, Jesus, and saw that his sacrifice was once and for all. Jesus' death paid the debts for our sins, past, present, and future. Jesus' death secured our saving inheritance in heaven forever. So in response to these glorious truths, we are to live how? We're to live a sacrificial life that glorifies him. So in closing, I wanted to share a few lines from a song that that really convicted me as I wrote this sermon. His Mercy is More by Shane and Shane. And so uh, Elias Elias and John are going to lead us through this uh, hereafter communion. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Let me pray. Father God, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that, that your mercy is more, that you gave your only son for us so that we might receive our inheritance, our saving inheritance. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that uh, he not only purchased our inheritance with his life, uh, but he signed it with his own blood. And Lord, uh, we pray uh, I pray on behalf of every one of us that we would live in response to that in glorifying his name. Amen.